So, we are in Galatians chapter 3. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. The title of this morning's message is The Gift Comes by Faith, Not by Works. The gift comes by faith, not by works. So let's start out off with reading Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes, <clears throat> O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Father, we come to you this morning asking that we would sit in the place of the Galatians. Oh Lord, may we not think that this is speaking of someone else, Lord. You're starting with your church in this place. Lord, may we, like the Apostle Paul was exhorting the Galatians, come to a better understanding and a knowledge that our righteousness comes by faith, not by works. Nor are we going to mature and grow spiritually by the things that we do, but by listening and knowing your word and exercising faith in it. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, your blessing. Give us understanding. We ask that you would open up our eyes to see what you would have us to see. Open up our ears to hear and listen to what you have to speak to us. I ask that you would open up our hearts, that you would give us understanding. And as we do gain understanding, that you would move our feet to walk by faith. And so, Lord, we commit this morning into your hands. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, Paul had been laying down and explaining his apostleship. And so, now that Paul had very clearly established his apostleship through a brief explanation of the history of his conversion and his sincere commitment and devotion to the true gospel of Jesus Christ, by even confronting and correcting those who are fellow Jews and servants of Christ, namely Peter and Barnabas and the other Jews who were misrepresenting 
the manner in which we are made righteous before God. You remember that in the last study? He is now back to directly addressing the Galatians and the issue of them having accepted being fooled and believing that their righteousness comes by the law and not by faith. And and that's what he was showing him. In fact, if we could go back to chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is saying to them, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Accursed. So he goes back to addressing that. The righteousness righteousness that has been imputed to us or has been placed to our account is not by works for God, but by believing God. And this is truly the beautiful gift that those who have believed God and believed into Jesus now possess. And that is the beautiful gift is righteousness. We know His righteousness, not by works, but by faith. But we know from the beginning of this letter that Paul is addressing this foolish thinking. And making every attempt to explain why it is deceiving and not the gospel at all. Not even worth listening to. And so now, Paul continues where he left off in... Chapter 1, verse 10, continuing to address the detour that the Galatians had been fooled to take down, uh, the, the, the road that they had been fooled to go down as far as works were concerned. And he's bringing them back to the fact and the truth of the matter that we are justified by faith and not by works. Verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He starts off in this manner. Paul had initially communicated his disappointment with the Galatians that they had so quickly deserted him who called them in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. In verse 6 of chapter 1. But now Paul is being very direct and using you could say, very strong language, to bring to their attention the foolishness that they have given themselves to. His opening statement, O foolish Galatians. These are strong words, aren't they? I mean, he loved these people. And yet he started with these words. They may have been strong words, but were they not fitting words? They were fitting words to address them with. It wasn't soft. Sometimes we need to be shaken out of our stupor. We do. The word foolish here, and you can look it up yourself. Uh, Let me share with you a non-PC word. That's what this is. Idiots. Idiots. Oh, 
my beloved idiots Galatians. Right? And that's what he was telling them. Wouldn't that wake you up? It's like if you were sitting there in the chair, right? And all of a sudden you heard from the pulpit, Oh, you idiots. My brethren from refuge. What? What did he just... Did he just say... Did he call me an idiot? Yeah. And Paul did that. No PC on Paul's part here. It was used to sober them up. Like I said, sometimes we need to be shocked out of our stupor. What Paul was saying with this is that they knew the things they had been taught, but instead of living the truth they knew and understood, they started to believe a lie and live a, and live a lie. They knew the truth, they understood the truth, and chose to live the lie instead, be duped by it. And he was saying, how foolish. Paul pointed out that it looked as if someone had put a spell on them. You look like you're hypnotized. You're like you're in a trance. You can't even see the truth because you have no sight. You've been blinded. What, what is this? Their sight was clouded by believing a false gospel. It was as if they had been hypnotized and, and Paul kind of, you know, slapped them with the bare truth to wake them up because he loved them. You know, someone who, and, and, and I've known this to be true, someone who has been knocked out, like, like something's going on with them, right? We see it in movies, right? They're down and all that, and they pick them up and, ah, wake up, wake, wake up, wake up, right? I, I pray that sometimes that's exactly what God t- does to us. Raul, what, what's wrong with you? Oh, foolish, Raul, what's wrong with you? Wake up, right? Sometimes we look at love like, it, like as if, oh, just let them go on, you know, just be gentle with them and all of that, and they'll be okay, they'll see it. Like, no, sometimes it's appropriate to apply a good godly slap in love. Right? Or allow the Lord to do it, but it's with His Word. He reminded them that the message of Christ crucified had been clearly taught to them. As if he had gone to the extent of putting up billboards before them to see. It's like, okay, so it's one thing to write it on a piece of paper and show it to you. It's another thing to put it on a dry eraser board and put it up. It's another thing to put it on the screen. But what Paul was saying, it's like as if I put it on billboards before you. It's super clear. For you to see and know that the work of Christ on the cross was, was what finished the work and can now rest in Christ and know that we are saved and made righteous by our faith in Him, not works of the law. It was clearly explained to you, demonstrated to you. You, you believed God, His Word. It is when we thoroughly understand Christ's finished atoning work on the cross and receive it. That we will not be taken as fools by any other gospel, false doctrine, 
or allow our faith to be clouded by anything contrary. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. These are the basics, folks. The basics. And and you, you hear this, and then you hear a different gospel, and I am I'm just shocked. I am. That given these words that I just read over, you will begin to believe someone else who brings their own philosophy and opinion of God's standard and start believing them and, not, and then get off from this. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works so that no one may boast. It was established that the Galatians had been fooled. And Paul wanted to make sure that they knew they had been fooled by telling them that what they had come to know and understand, they had now failed to use that very knowledge and understanding that they had once possessed. Again, it's good to have someone remind us of that if we we go astray. That's a good friend. If you allow them to, then you're showing that you're a good friend too. Secondly, how did you receive the gift? That's a good question. In verses 2 through 6, the Apostle Paul lays this out. Let me ask you only this. Number one, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? So Paul goes into a series of questions to help the Galatians think. To think how it was that they received the gift of salvation and thus the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's great when a person is pushed into answering questions to clarify their original understanding. It is a form of confession. And what happens is that a person sees the deception as deception and the truth for what it really is. If they are willing to answer the questions being asked. Have you ever asked someone questions and they just refuse to answer them? They even get kind of wiggly. They don't, don't ask, well, you know. Um, they get really nervous and they, 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 they don't want to answer you. They don't want to talk about that. It's great. It's great when the Lord asks those questions of us. And we simply answer them. For us, for us it, it's, it's a confession. A confession is a green. A green. That what we have before us is truth. It's truth. So he's asking these questions. And this was exactly what Paul was doing. Why is it that when we are in sin that we want to run from questions that confront us? Why do we do that? 
And, and we'll go to any lengths to avoid being confronted. We'll leave a friendship. We'll totally abandon it. Because we do not want to be confronted. We'll abandon the church. I don't want to be confronted. We'll just leave. We'll hide. We'll, we'll do, do something, but I, I don't want to hear it. It's because we're prideful and stubborn and don't want to submit to the Lord. And really, that's the bottom line. We don't want to surrender to the Lord. We don't want to submit to Him. It's not the person. Come on. Sometimes we say it's, it's the person. I just don't want... As it, let me tell you, as Christians, it is not the person. It is the Lord. It is the Lord that we're submitting and surrendering to. We should be so humble before Him to simply get things right. Paul did not desire that they submit to His Word. That's not what he was asking them to do. My, his opinion? Nope, not that either. He was asking these questions. These were truth according to God's Word. He wanted them to submit to God's Word. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I say that's a good slap. Right? It's, it's a good reminder. It's a good understanding. Nobody, we can't hide from God's Word. It just cuts deep and it separates and it exposes and it reveals things that we must deal with. Question number one, verse two. Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by hearing with faith? Paul was pointing out that they had not received the Holy Spirit by being circumcised, that is the law, but by hearing the good news of salvation and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Son of God who conquered sin on the cross and through His death, we have, He has paid completely for our sin. And death? Oh, was conquered as he resurrected from the grave. They didn't earn the gift of the Spirit through the works of the law, but by faith. And they didn't even earn it. It was just, it was a gift. It was a promise. And that led into the next question, verse 3. Which says, are, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, or are, you, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul pointed out that it was foolish to think that a person can grow in their faith by works instead of continuing to exercise their faith in Jesus Christ and by belief in the grace of God. Oh, I don't know how many Christians believe that we can now be perfected in the flesh what was begun in the Spirit. That is, they, they, they read perhaps for the first year, maybe a couple years, they study the Word of God, they can't get enough of it, and after that, it's by works. It's by works. It's either, either to check off something, you know, as far as coming to church on a, every so often on a Sunday. It's by doing a few good things. And we stop reading the Word of God, having fellowship with Him, coming together and, 
and really growing in the Lord according to His Word. A salvation that begun in the Spirit is not perfected or mature through works. As much as we do for Christ, that is not what builds our faith. It is not. It is hearing with faith. Romans 10.17 addresses this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. It's not and hearing through other people's good works, my good works. No, it, it comes through the Word of Christ. It is dangerous to believe that our works for God build a foundation worth standing on. It's a faulty foundation. We boast in this because it is our own works. It's something we can boast about. I sacrifice so much and I do this and that. It's a boasting. I am a wretch. I'm simply simply a servant of God who deserves no accolades for the righteousness I have received as a gift. Nothing. We deserve nothing. It is our reasonable worship. Nothing replaces God's word received in faith as the foundation upon which we can stand confidently and know that we are truly growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So don't be fooled. You can't perfect in the flesh what was begun in the Spirit. Read God's Word and thus learn to grow in its application by faith. That pleases God, according to Hebrews 11.6. Outside of faith, it's impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11.6. Question number three, verse four. That's what he was doing, exposing through these questions, right? Uh, Verse four says, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? The Galatians apparently had suffered for the sake of Jesus, because of their faith in Jesus. And Paul was asking if all of this was for nothing. Did you not understand what you were enduring and why you were enduring it? Do you not understand that? Are you now folding, giving in after having endured persecution at the hands of perhaps the legalism brought by the Judaizers, telling them that they had to adhere to the law in order to know righteousness? Be circumcised, follow the law. Paul again was asking them to think. It's good. Christianity is not a mindless religion. It is a faith that requires us to think. It's not filled with opinions. It's filled with the truth. And it's not feelings either. Can I say that? I felt like saying that. (laughs) Today's church, I can see, is, is all about that. Stop it. You can't. Because feelings, what it is, is those, those feelings, those feelings can take you in all all sorts of directions. You, you can have feelings and when you sing any song. 
Any song? Have you ever been moved by um, Eric Clampton? His music? No? No? Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, okay. Anyone. All right. You name it. Isn't it a pity? Hmm? It is a pity. It's a song. Huh? It's a song. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that song. <laughs> I was just agreeing with you. Amen. It is a pity that, that we are so... Um, oh, we cling to those feelings today. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. But it should be because of what we know and understand... And then when we sing these worship songs, we are moved to tears. We are moved to this confession and this praise before the Lord because of what we've come to understand and know in God's Word. And we know accurately the character of God, who we're worshiping and praising. Amen? So again, Paul was asking them to think, consider. And he was telling them, with all of this, come to your senses. Remember how he started. Come to your senses. Question number four, verse five. Does he who supply the, supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted him, to him as righteousness. The gift of the Spirit comes from God and is a response to faith, and the miracles performed are performed by faith. And yet the Galatians were believing that they would be blessed by observing the law. A righteousness brought by the observance of the law, that's, that's like, uh, let's just go through the motions and do this ritual, and you'll receive righteousness. No, wrong. It's the belief that if I do this, then God will give me favor and bless me. The relationship with God turns into a works relationship. That's why I tell you time and time again, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's in response to that grace that He has demonstrated to us that we humbly Come back in line with His Word. That's repentance. That's making a, a complete 180. Stop going that way. Right? We confess. We repent. We ask God to forgive us. We're going in a different direction. A complete 180. We start walking. Why? Because of His kindness, His mercy, His love, and His grace. We thank God and we, we give Him praise by the way we live our lives. Contrary to how we were living them before. The works do not give you favor or righteousness. It's His grace. All the work in the world won't be a blessing to God if it is not done by faith. It is faith that He is pleased by. And an example of this is what we read in verse 6. Abraham. Abraham was made right before God by faith, not by works. In fact, the law came through Moses. Uh, when was Moses born? Was it before or after Abraham? I get confused. I don't. After. After Abraham. 
Righteousness did not come through genealogy, but by the Spirit, and not by works, but by faith. Paul quoted Genesis 15, 6 here and demonstrated that it was when Abraham believed God that righteousness was placed to his account. It did not come from Abraham, it came from God. This was before the law and before the covenant of circumcision. Let's look at faith and see it for what it is. Before God made Abraham righteous, Abraham believed God. This is really important to understand. Before God made Abraham righteous, Abraham believed God. Therefore, it wasn't Abraham's faith that made him righteous, but by God who made Abraham righteous by imputing his faith to him for righteousness. In other words, we today are not made righteous, not even by by the faith that we exercise. We are made righteous by God. Otherwise, we're going to be boasting about it. And our faith believes God regardless of what comes after. Because we realize that God is true and we confess that salvation comes by grace through faith. We deserve nothing and yet we have received everything in Christ. Everything. I also want to point out something very important here. Look at me. Look with me at um, verse six. Just as Abraham believed God, believed God. It doesn't say believe in God. Believe God. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. It's interesting when you ask the general population, right? If you ask the question, do you believe in God? Most people will say, yes, I believe in God. Oh, well, let me quote to you James 2.19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. No attaboys there, Right? It, it really means nothing to just simply say, I believe in God. I believe in God. It's not just I accept God's word as true. I accept salvation as a free gift of God because I believe in God. Because you're just saying, you're just, it's just something surfacy, Something that anybody can confess. And not really know a true relationship in Christ. Just simply believing God. The gift of salvation comes by believing God. Not just believing in God. This is that no matter what comes my way, what the world would see as good or bad makes no difference to believing God and living for His glory. This would be a person who is truly unshakable. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-10 through 10 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. When we believe God at His word, we are unshakable. 
We believe him at his word. Period. But it's amazing that by that faith in him, by that belief in God, and the fact that by believing in God in that manner to where we just believe his word, then what comes after that is Jesus is the son of God. Well, I believe God, so I believe that. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. At this point, yes, I believe that because I believe God. God is the God of comfort. I believe that because I believe God. And then we start reading the word of God in a different way. We see it differently. We just simply believe God. Martin Luther said, quote, Faith in God constitutes the highest worship, <clears throat> the prime duty, the first obedience, and the foremost sacrifice. Faith says to God, I believe what you say. Close quote. Therefore, <clears throat> knowing that what the Galatians had been duped with was foolish and reminded them of what they had come to know and understand, Paul was doing that with them, Thirdly, remember the gifts come by faith. Verses, verses 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Know who are the true sons of Abraham. Since Abraham had been made righteous by God through faith, Abraham was the father of those who believed God by faith and is accounted to them righteousness, just like Abraham. Paul was pointing out that salvation did not come through genetics, but by faith. Just because the Jews came from Abraham through their genealogy, right? Did not mean that they were Abraham's spiritual sons and daughters automatically. They, like everyone else, including the Gentiles, were justified by faith, not by any works of the flesh, including genealogy. Likewise, none of our children, none, not one, of our children will come to salvation simply because our, their parents are Christians. Well, I went to church with my parents. That's great. You were brought up in being taught God's word. You, you heard the truth. But it is your responsibility, children, to at some point say, I believe God, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And ask the Lord to forgive you and be your Lord and Savior. He has no grandkids. He just has kids. Children, not grandchildren. Please notice something very important here. Scripture. The scripture that preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, the word of God. Something that Eric brought up the other day is, yesterday is that uh, the gospel was preached in the wilderness. Good reminder. Uh, the gospel was preached in the garden too. Back in Genesis. What was the good news? That the Jews and Gentiles would be justified the same way, by faith. And you shall all the nations be blessed. 
It is Jesus Christ who has been preaching all along that salvation is found in Him. This book, from cover to cover, cover to cover, is all about Jesus. Read through it. You see Him. You begin to understand how it all comes together. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And this is further evidence that God would not require that the Gentiles become Jews by the law in order to be blessed with righteousness. Otherwise, he would have only referred to Jews and required that everyone convert to Judaism before even being considered for salvation. He wouldn't have addressed the Gentiles, the Greeks, no one else. Hey, listen, you, you first have to um, abide by the law become a Jew through the law, and then your righteousness will come. He didn't say that. First the Jews, but then everyone else too, the Gentiles. The gift of salvation comes by faith and faith alone. Oh, how we get stuck in doing the works. Well, we have known God started in the Spirit, we start working it out. We can't do that. I want to conclude with something I believe is very important. Yes, Abraham believed that God would make him a nation with descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. Right? We know that. But what was important was not so much God's promises to Abraham and what God was going to do for Abraham but who was going to come through Abraham to bless all the nations? It was in the person of Christ. You see, if we only look to God's promises for us, and we do that, just turn on the TV for a little while and start just listening to some of these preachers there, motivational speakers, They start naming and claiming all of God's promises. And Siri is listening to me. Did I say, hey, Siri? (laughs) They do. They they start saying those things. If we only look to God's promises for us and not primarily to keep our eyes fixed on the person by which we are blessed with salvation, then we are subjecting ourselves to having our faith shaken when we go through difficult moments in life. It is the promise of Jesus that brings us through and the blessed hope remains no matter what troubles we endure. That was Abraham's faith. Yes, the Lord said that he would do this. He would multiply him. But the way Abraham was blessed is believing God that the Messiah would come. And he said it was through him. John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Who do we cling to? Jesus Christ. He is our hope. The faith that saved those of the Old Testament was the faith that Abraham had in the Messiah who was going to come through him. The faith that saves us today is the faith that the Messiah has come through Abraham. 
as God promised, that through him all the nations would be blessed. And that was what Paul was bringing before these, these foolish Galatians that had been duped into believing that somehow righteousness came by works, by an observance of the law, by adhering to these rules and regulations. And that wasn't how righteousness came. Each and every one of us are justified the same way. We are justified by faith. And so I would I would tell you that our response to that matters. It's, it's God's love, it's His grace, it's His mercy that brings us to that place of repentance. It should. If not, we, we, we are not open to the Lord. We are not open to receiving. We remain in the sin that we have in our hearts. We refuse as that child refuses. I am not. No matter what you say. Irrational. I know. Illogical. I know. I won't, I won't, I won't. I don't care how much love you show me. That's how it looks. Right? Like that, that child that's just rebellious and I won't, I, I, I won't respond to it. Well, then go to the corner. Fine. My granddaughter, um, so there was this conversation. I'll I'll just share this with you. My my granddaughter and grandson, right, they had gotten in trouble, and so uh, they were going to have the the strap of discipline applied to them. And um, and so uh, my grandson was crying in anticipation. He was crying. And um, so little Audge, Audrey, had this conversation with her older brother and was consoling him. Don't cry. Don't cry. That's so nice, right? Don't cry. Dad's spankings hurt, but mom's coming. Hers don't hurt. I know this because mom overheard that. Right? So don't worry about it. It won't hurt. May we not be like little children who rebel. May we be grown-ups and and think about God's love and his compassion for us and the mercy that he wants to show us. May we truly respond to his love. That's what drew me to him. It was just, at at some point, I just believed God. I I saw it. It's like the Lord opened up my understanding, and, and, and I saw it. Like, wow, he really cares for me. Not because I, I do this or that, because nothing. Just, I believe God. And then when I heard, you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, surrender to him your life, and you will have life eternal. You will know the blessed hope of eternal life with him and all of his glory that when you close your eyes here on earth, you will open them in heaven in his presence. 
I just simply believe God. I pray that each and every one of us responds to that. And we cry out to Him and glorify Him with our very lives. Walking by faith and not in the flesh. Trusting in Him. Fixing our eyes on Him. And walking intimately with Him. Not like the foolish Galatians that started thinking about and believing works, but know it is all by faith. And that blesses Him. Father, we thank You, Lord. Oh, thank You. Thank You. Thank You that it is not by works. Or we'd never get there. I thank You, Lord, that it is by faith. It's just faith, Lord, that we are justified. I ask, Lord, that You would bless each and every one of us here. That is, if there's anyone here who is in that place of perhaps being rebellious, Lord, that right now it would be a time of surrender. That there was deep conviction. I pray that there was, that there is. That deep conviction, Lord, would lead to repentance, which leads to life, is what your word tells us. Because you desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I ask, Lord, that you would do that work in our lives, that we would repent of our sins and that we would confess our sins before you. And we do ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that at that point you will help us, Lord, to walk with you by the Spirit and just bless and worship you and praise you with our very lives. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.